I thought I was wondering if we were going to do a simul intro again. No. Okay. I think the one take, the the one take was good enough because it was kind of perfect. It was. It I really was. Just in own its own moment. Yeah. Hello and welcome to episode fifty-seven of Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles Fearless Records' Punk Goes Ellipses series to answer the age-old question: Hell yeah or yeah nah. As you would have heard just before, we are joined by dear friend and perennial guest of the pod, Richard S. He. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I love doing these, like, and having to pretend that we haven't just been like shit talking for like fifteen <laughs> minutes beforehand. Pretty but, much, um, we got all the wrestle talk out of the way. This is good. We, for once, didn't bring wrestling onto the pod. So, well, we just did. Uh, yeah, this is true. <laughs> I reckon we and should. We will. Play a- we should make another category, Hell Nah. Oh, yeah. For, like, songs that are just... Oh, wait. So rubbish. So rubbish. Trash. Sure. Yeah, Hell Nah. What, what would be, nah. like, the worst one so far? Mm, oh. Blame It was was probably a Hell Nah. That's uh, true. No, there was one that made me even angrier because it was so bad. The um, James Bay one? Sorry? The James James Bay? Uh, mm. I feel like only a few weeks ago I was quite pissed off at how bad a song was, but I can't remember now. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I can't remember. I can remember what we did last week. I can't remember what we did the week before. I know. I, mm. Yeah. I also think just lockdown is tarnishing everything with just a sheen of anger at the moment. Lockdown <laughs> itself is, is a hell Yeah, this is true. Hell Extremely hell <laughs> But how are you, Richard? How is lockdown treating you? Right now, I'm pretty good. Yeah, keeping yeah. busy. I did some uh, did some social media work for Netflix this week, which is very random. What? So That's if, if you see any uh, promotion from Netflix Australia and New Zealand for the babysitter, Killer Queen, um, yep. I may have written or commissioned that. That's incredible. So, hella random. Did you watch the babysitter, Killer Queen? Yes, yeah, I did. Because um, what they do is they get freelancers to like watch an upcoming original film and then come up with all these like angles for social media posts about it. Oh, uh, that's really clever. Yeah, yeah, because they have like six people on staff or something. So um, yeah. between them, like they can't actually cover everything. But Far out. yeah, what, the, okay, what, film. Like it's exactly what you expect. That's all yeah. I'll say. Did you see the first one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it was an okay film. Yeah. Um, just a sort of, you know, kind of raunchy, you know, violent sort of throwback to the sort of flasher films. To me, it's uh, like in the same genre as like Joseph Kahn's Detention and like Happy Death Day, but like not mm. nearly as good. As yeah, those. not nearly as clever as well. Yeah. yeah. But wants to be. Like, it's fun yeah. enough, though. It's, and I think it's another one of those movies that I give a chef's kiss to because it goes for a cool 90 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Such a treat nowadays. Oh, hello. I love a 90 minute movie. We watched, I can't remember what we watched recently. And it was like, do we want to watch this? Goes for 90 minutes. Oh, it was that terrible. Um, oh, my God. What was it? I can't even remember. Uh, Obsession or something. It doesn't matter. I think but, we talked about this, but yeah. We did. We did. But yeah. Oh, Christ. What was it? It was. Oh, The, the Perfection? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that no, I didn't mo- see that. 
god. It was like the the the, the preview looked good. And it was like, well, if it's bad, it's only ninety minutes, so <laughs> we're not we're not dedicating two hours to this. Maybe that's what I'm thinking back to. Of like, I got so mad at how shit that movie was. Like, we was la- like it was great, but it was so bad. We like, laughed at the end. We did. Yeah, we what? had a really good. We had. We, I belly laughed at that <laughs> ending because oh. it was just so ridiculous. No. <laughs> <sighs> I'm excited to catch up with it. Please do. Oh, you... do it. Do it. Trash Night definitely needs to be perfection. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Too many, too much media. There's just too much. We need to stop. Well, but... no, I was going to, in fact, I was going to bring this up. Sam, would you like to give us a quick review of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remastered? It's the best. There you go. It's, <laughs> I, I love it. Um, it basically it doesn't really miss a beat from older Tony Hawk games. Like it has the feel of it. I one of the things that I appreciate, and I know they have definitely talked about it, um, like leading up to it. But the, the so there is old and new skaters, and all the old skaters are old. It's them now. So you're not yeah. playing. You're not playing as Tony Hawk when the first game came out. You're playing as him now, and it's it's delightful. Is his son one of the characters? Riley Hawk. Oh, that's so oh no way. That makes me very happy. I think he was in one of the like mid to late two thousands games, okay, but he was yeah. younger. Yeah. So it was almost like I think you were playing as him as a kid. Oh. I could be wrong. Though. Yeah. I could be drastically wrong, but it's. It it definitely it's a perfect blend of what it was like in you know ninety nine when the first game came out to what things are like now. Yeah, like they've, they've blended the the soundtrack really well with you know old songs from the from the previous games to what's you know current. Yeah, yeah. You know, like old and new skaters, the the game just handles exactly as I remember it, and it's. It's you know I'm getting I'm I'm getting that sort of muscle memory back where combos are starting to get bigger and bigger and you know I'm starting to get better at it and it's also interesting I know that it's not the first game to have online multiplayer but to actually play it online is also kind of new to me as well I don't really play online games but it's mm-hmm. like no I'll give this a go yeah. see if I can beat someone out there I probably can't but. <laughs> That's awesome. Because, like, Sorry. they already... They did an HD version a few years ago, right? Which was... Bad. Yeah. But, like, usually those kinds of games, like, they they look like how you remember the game in your memory, you know? Yeah. Whereas yeah. this one sounds like an upgrade in the best way. It's also things like... So the levels also feel like they've aged as well. So, like, the mall yeah. level... In- first game is now like it was a it was a mall that was closed of a night time and you're in there now it's an abandoned mall wow which cool. also has a bit of commentary because like how many malls are open now in, in 2020 yeah um true and yeah i just it's it's fantastic i i love it i have almost finished it like i finished the the first game um because it's it's both games like split up so one that's one thing i would say if you're playing the first game's levels you can't then 
go into the next into the second game's levels, you have to exit out and go into the menu, go back into the menu. And- yeah, right, right. Which isn't a huge quibble for me, but it's, I mean, that's something that's a little bit annoying. Yeah, um, I think the Halo remasters have done a similar thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's just, it's it's fantastic. I I love it. And I will uh, I will continue playing it. And, and maybe every week I'll have a little segment of what I've done each week on, uh, I won't, don't worry. I was about to say, you can record that by yourself. <laughs> Well, hopefully sometime I'll be able to come over and play it with you. So oh, and and, lose. Yes, definitely. That was one of the things about the, when you mentioned the previous HD sort of remaster, it was, it came out in 2012 and it was basically, it was like a combination of levels from one, two, and I think three. Yeah. It just didn't have the, the feel because it didn't have like, I, I think a lot of the music wasn't there. And yeah, yeah. I think it was only a downloadable exclusive, even though I've downloaded this one. Yeah. Um, and the fucking game took out couch cop, not couch cop, but like multiplayer. Yeah. Split screen multiplayer. It took out split screen multiplayer. You could not play with your friend next to you, mm. which was ridiculous. I was playing That's this offensive. one. I was playing <laughs> this one, and it was, and I was just thinking, man, I just wish my brother was around because I just love to play with my brother because we used to because uh-huh. we used to play together, and. So yeah, it's definitely something I'm gonna take down with me, I reckon, next time I go down to see my family. I never thought that I would think of Goldfinger Superman with a sheen of sadness. <laughs> a song about togetherness. Yeah. Doing everything we can. <laughs> Holding on to what I can. <laughs> so is that primarily what made the twenty twelve remaster shit? Like or the it was just, it sort of lacked soul as well. It seemed uninspired, right? Yeah. Was it literally them just flexing their muscles, like saying, look, it looks so much better, but aside from that, like, fuck you. like. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And, and as I said, like the, I feel like the soundtrack was limited. I feel like the roster was pretty limited. It also had a heavy, like this, this has a bit of a heavy emphasis on, well, not so much heavy emphasis on it, but like it has that thing of like, hey, we would also love it if you played multiplayer online. Right. But like the the 2012 version was very much like you can only play this online, like uh, multiplayer. Like if you want to play with anyone else, you can't play it with your friend sitting next to you. Yeah, and that was a big thing that Vicarious Visions stated was, oh yeah, you're going to be able to play with like two two controllers are going to be you know you're going to be able to play it with your friend on the yeah. couch. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I just I like the idea that this is going to potentially inspire younger uh, like a new generation almost which is probably the most corporate uh you know speak you can come up with but like you know but inspire some people to some kids to get on a skateboard and absolutely break yeah. their wrists then <laughs> the amount of kids i have seen in lockdown conditions either on a board or on rollerblades or roller skates. Like, it is so sick. Mm, it makes cute. me very happy. I don't know if it's because they've sort of been forced into doing these activities they usually wouldn't, but, like, I have seen so many kids in our neighbourhood with skates, and I'm just like, this That's is awesome. so sick. Yeah, I really <laughs> want to put my skates on and join you, but I know that I'll just absolutely eat shit on the pavement and have to go oh. to hospital. But, yeah, what a time. Mm. Love it. So yes, no surprise. I love the Tony Hawk remakes. I'll be excited to see if they do more. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm. there we go. If they remade Beautiful. American Wasteland, I would absolutely be there. 
I never actually played it, but just the cultural moment that it was for me, like I would 100% be there for a remake. The end. That is my book review. It was a good game though. Like American Wasteland yeah. is sick. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty much, I think after that, they put on a heavy emphasis on, hey, it's Tony Hawk and Bear Margera's in it. It was like, <laughs> and because, because yeah, Viva La Bam was huge. It was like, but I was like, I can't stand Bear Margera. I couldn't, and Tony Hawk just kind of looked awkward having having it so much focused on Bam Margera. Like he was literally like on the cover with Tony Hawk. That's it was embarrassing. like they had a storyline where it was like Team Tony and Team Bam. It was like Bam Margera is nowhere to be seen in this one, and I couldn't be happier. That's that was such a strange time in culture, like the jackass. Yeah, just the yeah. Bam, like, the Bam. him, like just the weird sort of intersection. It was, nah, I don't. I also just looked at the um. American Wasteland soundtrack, and that is basically punk goes punk. I know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we definitely yeah. need an episode on that. We listened to it on the way to um, when when I, when I was going to get tattooed last. It's so good. No way. Like that is maybe an idea that we've had to perhaps get Tony himself on to maybe talk about the American Wasteland yeah. soundtrack, which it will definitely happen. Don't you worry. <laughs> you, you sound like you're reassuring me of that <laughs> I'm reassuring everyone I am, it is no, I was going to say it's in the works but it absolutely is not in the works <laughs> uh, uh, We're nearly 15 minutes in and we haven't yeah, mentioned let's... what song we're doing this week Richard, would you like to tell everyone what we are looking at this week? This week we are covering the song Like a Prayer by Madonna, as covered by It's a Me, Rufio, on <laughs> Punkos Pop, Volume 1. Speaking of video games, um, yeah, the uh, Mario sixty four Sunshine and uh, Galaxy I'm... is going to put on Switch. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Despite not owning a Switch, but I've always wanted to play Sunshine in like proper HD widescreen because that's one of my favorite video game worlds. Oh, I, I am excited for it, and I have a Switch. So Sick. when lockdown when lockdown ends, you should just sleep over. Like, I sleep know. over Aww. one Friday night. I was literally about. Just come stay over for the weekend. <laughs> we'll get that would be we'll lovely. Some, uh, frozen pizza, maybe yeah. maybe we'll cook it, and uh, a two liter vanilla coke. Oh, great! <laughs> and we'll and punk we'll... go pod. Yeah, yes. we'll record an episode while playing. Sick. <laughs> we'll make sure it's we'll make sure it's an acoustic one. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Christ. Anyway. Anyway. So, so that I... is our topic for today. Yeah. I. We'll do my off-the-cuff Madonna intro, which uh, feel free to guide me slash interject as much as you want. 
I will um, say I like that you mentioned in the in the run sheet earlier that you it was like I need to remember to talk about my was it your Madonna blog? Um, yeah, I'll get to that. And it was just like it was it was signed off R. Ah, like I, I just liked it because it was like, well, I mean, who else would have had a Madonna blog out of out of the three of us? This is where I tell you that I've actually been keeping a Madonna blog for years. But... Hey. Anyway. I'll get to that. All right. Let's All right. see how much. Do you I want to take us away with uh, some facts about me. Matt? Facts, facts, facts. All right. Madonna, born Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone, uh, in on August 16, 1958, I believe in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I think she's the third oldest of like eight children and like two stepchildren or something like that. Came from an Italian uh, father and French Canadian mother. Mm-hmm. Um, called Madonna Fortin or Fortin or something. She uh, infamously died of cancer when the younger Madonna was only five. So that really was like the defining uh, moment in of her entire life, if anything. Like that's a current that runs through a lot of her work. Um, wow. Yeah, just about motherhood. Um, but Madonna, yeah, grew up kind of a bit of an arts nerd and a cheerleader, moved to New York when she was, I think, 19 or 20 to go to a dance school dance mm. with some people um met producers etc played uh and sang in bands she played in she played drums i think in a band called the breakfast club oh that's so sick yeah <laughs> pre, pre the movie um pre oh, movie shit. yeah and what else what else yeah just bummed around new york um Sold times square what yeah um, yeah, I remember, I remember hearing that it was like a story of like, who is this person that sold donuts in Times Square on the radio? Um, like, it yeah. Was a like, yeah, it was Madonna. Yeah, but at, yeah, at that point, she really like ingratiated herself into the art scene. Like, she knew John Michelle Basquiat and um, who's the other guy? Keith Haring, I think. Oh, yeah. She yeah. was close with. Um, she knew Andy Warhol and somehow, yeah, came out with her self titled album in. 1983 with Holiday, Borderline, Burning Up um, was scoring hits. And actually at that time, um, for it, it's like kind of hard to understand now, right? But um, uh, R&B radio at that time was still somewhat considered to be like racially segregated, right? So uh-huh. this is a few years after disco, where um, disco had kind of fallen out of fashion, but it was still around it. So it was like morphing into dance pop, really. And that's yeah. something that Madonna is kind of credited for, like inventing dance pop in a way. Oh. Um, that kind of four in the floor, more electronic than disco feel. But yeah, yeah when she first released Holiday, um, the story goes that her face wasn't on the single cover because they wanted Black Radio to play it. Um, oh okay yeah which is just bizarre to think about now because like knowing how her voice sounds like you can't imagine really that song being sung by a black woman in the studio version but yeah so that was then um but yeah throughout the 90s she carved a path like a virgin her second album was even bigger she was um the star performer on the first ever mtv vmas doing uh-huh. Like a Virgin in a wedding dress, which was quite provocative. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Still is, I would say. 
Um, third album, True Blue, had Open Your Heart, Live to Tell was a bit more mature. Um, around that time, she uh, met Sean Penn on the set of, I think, Shanghai Surprise, which is a film that I haven't seen and literally no one likes. Based um, on the title alone, it sounds rubbish. Yeah. Uh, George Harrison was somehow heavily involved in it. I don't actually know how. I think he funded or produced it or something. Yeah, she met Sean Penn, had a whirlwind romance. Um, that kind of ended tragically with, um, like, stories of domestic abuse and stuff. So yeah. around, I think, 1988, uh, they divorced and um, she did some Broadway plays, uh, dyed her hair. No, she didn't. I don't think she dyed her hair. She went back to her natural hair, I think. And then... Sorry? Is her natural hair blonde? No, her natural hair is brunette. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, so that's the prelude to her fourth album, Like a Prayer, in 1989, which is what we will be discussing today, I guess. So that's the one with the, like, her like torso pelvic area yeah um loopholes yes yeah it's kind of um, a reference to rolling stones um sticky fingers album art of course yeah i it's one of those covers that sort of like burned in my brain because i yeah my parents owned it on cassette tape um and yeah many an afternoon was spent specifically listening to dear jesse because my auntie's yeah. name jesse and i was like oh cute I like Jesse and I like this song. Um, and also just because it was a cute kind of song. But then also, totally. yeah, I suspect that we listen to other tracks off it as well, um, including the one we are talking about today. But yeah, just one of those iconic covers. I'm just like, yes. You could also say like maybe, I, uh, so you know, you, you did say like about the um, Sticky Fingers album cover. It could also be, probably not, but it sort of reminds me of like the female version of too fast for love by Motley Crue. True. Well. Yeah. well, cause yeah, that's definitely a riff on sticky fingers, like even more so than this. Yeah. I would say. So good. Um, so yeah, her fourth album, like it's, de- it's definitely not the first time she was taken seriously as an artist. Like, cause um, her single live to tell, which is this like five minute ballad that radio, I think played uncut. Um, that was like her first real serious rebranding in 86. But this is the first time she really tried to be an album artist and didn't yeah. feel the need to be a pop star like the whole way through. So like every song is quite different. There are a lot of orchestral ballads, but there's up-tempo dance pop and soul. Um, yeah. I very much think it's an album where every song is about a relationship. So you have Like a Prayer, which is about like lovers and God. Express Yourself is about men. Um, what else? Like, there's songs about family, about her mother, her father, um, Dear Jesse, which is about a child, I guess. Yeah. Um, we also mustn't forget that she collabed with Prince on Love Song, which is a banger. Yeah. Underrated banger. So good. Ugh. Prince also plays the opening guitar on Like a Prayer, the Dernan at the Dernan. That's him. Ugh. And Ugh. he's all over the closing track, Act of contrition which is a real yeah. weird song wow it's like um that song active contrition it's like it's the instrumental of like a prayer but reversed 
right? And oh, she's yeah. kind of seeing talking about uh, dying, and she goes to heaven, and she knocks on the pearly gates or whatever, and uh, then she's like, wait, my name's not in the computer, and then the album just ends. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it actually is. Oh, no. <laughs> that's just like, as soon as you said that, I got that weird, like, gut punch when something, like, freaks you right out. Oh, no. Yeah. Remember when we watched Buried? <laughs> oh, don't. No. <laughs> we watched, we watched oh. Buried, the movie where Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds. spends 90 minutes in a oh. casket. And, and it just kept going and going. And you're like, he gets out, right? And I'd already seen it. And I'm like, just wait. He gets out. <laughs> Sorry, folks, he does not get out. Deadpool watch... does not make out of the casket. <laughs> you should watch the film The Vanishing in that case. Do you know it? Oh, okay. The Dutch oh, film okay. The Vanishing, not the American remake. That's um, that's a fun one. Okay. <laughs> I'll down if I want to have an existential crisis or continue yeah. the current one I'm on now that you've told me that anecdote about active tr- contrition. But yeah. Oof. Anyway, um, the album initially came with an insert guide on safe sex and how to prevent transmission of HIV. Um, Cause you know, in the eighties, like truly AIDS and HIV, like was not discussed openly. It was like the silent pandemic. Yeah. Um, and very stigmatized, especially because it primarily affected gay men. Um, yeah. uh, Ronald Reagan was no help with that. So mm. Madonna like quite uh, took it upon herself to educate, I think. That's so um, cool. The, Original album also had the scent of patchouli on it, quite famously. So, and I don't own I'm... one. Pardon? Like, I don't own an original copy, but just, I don't know, fun fact. I'm sure that scent is well gone by now. <laughs> I think it was um, one of your peers, Richard. Like, I saw on Twitter that someone was, yeah, like, furiously hunting down. They were like, where can I find a scent that mirrors this? patchouli scent and until then i had no idea that that had existed like the scented like insert which is so cool yeah it's like it's like a dolly magazine in a in a cd (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do miss like album packaging being kind of an event in itself like Mm. you sort of get that but it's more like deluxe version we'll just put a cardboard sleeve on it and chuck a few more tracks on the back of it but i don't know Or when they don't print the lyrics or print like half of them which is even yeah. worse. Yeah, exactly. But, oh man, I have a lot of thoughts about that. We don't need to get into them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Like a Prayer, the album is definitely a turning point in Madonna's career. Um, yeah. She, yeah, it's a bridge between the more singles-oriented work of the 80s and the 90s, where she really went all in on being an album artist, and they got longer and artier and weirder. Yeah. That's really kind of, I like that though. It's, it's, you know, as she's getting older, it's like, well, you know, let's, let's bring out my creativity more yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really cool. Absolutely. Cause after that, she had a pretty good run of albums. Um, uh, unfortunately, like of her last four, only the most recent one is good because yeah. it's like after confessions on a dance floor, which was, um, full on like electro disco bops, amazing. Um, yeah, she basically made three albums of just like her own personal workout music with the occasional ballad, 
<laughs> so I kind of think she really phoned it in. And so that was a bad time to be a Madonna fan. Um, yeah. But her most recent one, Madam X, kind of recaptures that spirit. It goes a bit weird. So. Okay. Yeah. Her own personal workout album and she only works out her arms. <laughs> I think so. Anyway. I could only begin to imagine being as fit as she is. So I'm not. Oh, yeah. I'm joking. Like, but there was that period where it was like. Her arms are, like, freaky muscly. <laughs> uh, what a legend. <laughs> but, the song. <sighs> the song. Yes. yes. The song Like a Prayer was co-written by Patrick Leonard, who was one of her main collaborators at the time. Um, he kind of handled the more melodic and um, ballady stuff. Um, she had yep. another guy, Stephen Bray, who did, like, the dance songs more so. Um, Patrick Leonard. What else has he done? I don't remember. Most famous for Madonna. But hey, he also wrote David Guetta and Rihanna's collaboration. Who's that chick? That I did not know. That is a banger of a song. So good on you, Patrick Leonard. Wow. He has worked with the likes of Pink Floyd, Elton John, Leonard Cohen, Fleetwood Mac, Michael Jackson, Brian Adams. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Way more than I thought. But definitely best known for being Madonna's like longtime collaborator. Yeah, I'm just looking up one thing quickly. Is he? All right, he co-wrote Jules Hands, but I was thinking of another. I was thinking of Foolish Games, which. Ah. No, actually, that's not. Okay, that's not a collab with him. Because I was. Yeah, no, I confused myself on that. Never mind. No, anyway. That's okay. <laughs> oh, that yeah, day so I, by Natalie Brulia. Goodness. Yeah. So I think Like a Prayer was written and recorded pretty quickly, like a lot of the songs on the album. Um, yeah. It, like, a lot of layers to it. You've got, like, a synth bass and a live bass played by Guy Pratt, who had played in Pink Floyd later on oh. and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Notable because it's practically like a bass solo and he just turned up and did it. And she's just like, okay, cool. I like it. We'll leave it on and mix it really high. <laughs> um, there's a gospel choir. Um, I think that they're called the Andre Crouch singers who also did Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror, a lot of other songs. Oh, cool. Yeah. But I think Madonna's own vocal was only recorded in either one or two takes and mostly live, which you can kind of hear in it because it doesn't actually sound super polished, but that's one thing I like about it. Yeah. Uh, Lyrically, it's real interesting because she's combining uh, these ideas of like Catholic imagery, especially in the video, but um, gospel choirs are Protestant. Yeah. Uh, Is that like... Did people read that as sort of misguided or was that like a deliberate choice? I think? I think deliberate because her, like the video very much uh, is a statement of like unity. I think yeah. so. She's very much contrasting these ideas, like the whole idea of unifying the sexual and spiritual. Um, she had touched on that quite a lot throughout her career. Um, yeah. Like, most famously, for example, Madonna is a real name. That's the Italian for the Virgin Mary, right? And um, she sang the song Like a Virgin, which was not meant to be interpreted literally, 
but quite um yeah sin is very provocative even though it's not, not as like salacious as people would think so, yeah just really fascinating like um from a feminist perspective because she she wasn't like the first to do it but um she kind of took she it definitely... to another level yeah i was about to say like she definitely made it mainstream somewhat like yeah yeah even just sort of having the i don't know if courage is the right word but like having the courage to broach i don't know using the term virgin talk like bringing in these sort of sexualized themes regardless of what her intent was to them like there's always going to be some sort of like salaciousness in doing that Mm. yeah and hence also like her very broad appeal to like young women um like there were so many Madonna wannabes in the eighties, like literally dressing like her, and um, you can look up like newscasts outside her shows and stuff, and um, so many young women dressed like her, but also like yeah. her gay male fan base and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Yeah, um, my sister was a big Madonna fan, that's like so big cool. big Madonna fan in the early nineties. Mm. Amazing. She, I remember her getting mad. There was like a video. Madonna had a video like. Tape. Um, I can't Justify remember what my it was love. called. What was it called? Probably Justify My Love. Maybe, or I thought it was something sexier, like Up Late or something. Or oh, that um, that's one of her sexiest clips for sure. But it was like my sister got mad at my mum within <laughs> the last few years because my brother basically oh, no. would just borrow whatever he wanted to from the video store, and so my mum was like, my mum was. My sister was like, "You let, you let our brother borrow kids as many times as he wanted to, but I could not own Madonna's whatever the video was." Actually, it would and have been I'm, in bed with Madonna. The in bed with Madonna. It was in bed with yeah. Madonna. Shit. She's like, "You couldn't, you didn't let me own in bed with Madonna, but you let him watch kids as many times as he wanted to." And it was like, "I'm not going to go through what kids is about." It's, <laughs> kids is way more scarring, man. Oh, yeah. it's it's horrid, and I'm. But yeah. I don't think my mum knew what kids was about. It's called Kids, yeah. <laughs> and and he he thought it was a good movie. <laughs> wow, and it was. Um, I watched that as an adult, and it was like, mm, uh-uh. yeah, mm, no, I need a shower. There. Absolutely, yeah. So sorry, I, I I steered this thing away a bit, but I just needed to tell that story. <laughs> oh dear. Oh. Justice for your sister. How Absolutely. Rude. Let's get her a, a copy of In Bed with Madonna. <gasps> we should. Totally. Yeah. That would be nice. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I've had the privilege of seeing that in theatres, actually, because the Astor screened oh, wow. it a couple years ago, which was awesome. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the last thing I was going to say is that, yeah, the song is kind of her more mature adult way of revisiting that theme, uh, which you would, yeah. you know, throughout her career, but it's one of the most explicit. And also it's interesting because it's such a huge, like epic pop song that's it's both like grand in the classical way and also funky in that influence yeah, from yeah. black music, which is a rare combo. And also it's like um I wanna say one of the times like her star shone brightest, but it's also quite a submissive song about submitting to a higher power. Yeah. And literally that happens in the song by having the gospel singer take over and get like the most spectacular moment of the song. Yeah. 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 So form and content. Just, she feels like kind of almost like a background feature in a lot of it, in a lot of yeah. the film clip. 
except for you know when it's actually like focused on her obviously but mm. Mm. totally because i always thought she was quite uh she could be like very giving when she'll do it like the video for vogue as well um is i, I think only 50 percent her like her dancers get a lot yeah. of the spotlight in that it's nice because like to me my immediate sort of reflex is to assume that she or like any other pop star who would be in her position would sort of continue to just place themselves front and center even if they are Mm. bringing in other performers Mm. like yeah even if the video does contain like those different intersections of identity like yeah i would not have been surprised if she had still made it all about madonna but i do love that yeah and that's exactly it like it was there for the taking but that's the mark of a true ally is yeah. incorporating, yeah, outside influences, but also giving them the spotlight. I, I think if you want to find an example of Madonna making everything about Madonna, look at the James Bond film Die Another Day. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually yeah. will go, I, I think people panned the song. I'll go to the defense. That song's great. That song I love cool. the song. That song's really fucking good, but it's like very subversive. Like, because no one, none of the other musicians that have done a Bond song have ever been in a James Bond film. So I think that was part of her contract. Yeah, "Yeah, but I've got to be in the film. (laughs) I have to have a cameo in this movie. And so she's the fencing instructor. I see you handle your weapon well. I have been known to keep my tip up. That's Mm. right. And and so and like the the video clip is her fighting herself. It's all about her. It's it's it's. But it's like it's. It's great, like at the same time, and the song, the song rules. Like I don't care what yeah. you say. Like I know the day bops. Yeah, very much yeah. her challenging the ideas of like masculinity and power as well. Yeah. yeah, and I and I would say it's with with the exception of maybe like the Duran Duran and Aha songs, it's yeah. the most un-James Bond song. Oh, for sure. Ever. Well, so which I'm fine with. Like it doesn't always these are brass sections. No, mm. absolutely not. But yeah, it's like because you do hear a lot of stories, especially these days, about our friend Madge like being a bit entitled, like having mm. a few tones. But like, yeah, when, yeah, when push comes to shove, like she, her heart is in the right place. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, she but. she definitely has an ego, and it's been like there, there are times in her career where it's been, like, more prominent and she's been more demonised for that. Like, very yeah. similar to Taylor Swift, actually, in how she's perceived. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think for the most part she backs it up. Yeah, there's always, yeah. like, another dimension to what she's doing. Ah, oh, for sure, yeah. Apart, well, apart from those three albums I don't really like, but <laughs> even then. <laughs> yeah. And I always sort of forget, we have to give her credit as well for making out with Britney. And, sure. and Christina. And Christina, but... Yeah. That was an iconic moment. That, that was. Fucking hell. Yeah. But anyway, let's get back to Like a Prayer. The film clip. The film clip. Yeah, yes. I'd like to dive into that a bit more. Was. So, yes. Directed by. 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go for it. <laughs> All right, cool. Directed by Mary Lambert, who also did Stephen King's Pet Cemetery in the 80s, mm-hmm. and a few other horror films. Um, she did quite a lot of Madonna clips, like Borderline, Material Girl. I think Like a Virgin is her. There's I a few others. And they, Material Girl. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of collabs after this, I think. So yeah. this is, like, kind of their peak, I guess. Um, whoops. Mary Lambert, the director, not Mary Lambert, the singer who does the hook of Same Love by Macklemore. <laughs> oh, no, because I was like, yeah, I was just Googling her. I was like, wait, what? But okay. Yeah. Actually, this was their last collaboration. That surprises me. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was interesting. Anyway, um, the storyline is quite interesting for this one because, yeah, like in the most literal sense, Madonna is kind of playing a character, right, who sees a black man wrongfully arrested for assaulting a woman by mm-hmm. the police. Um, and she goes to a church and sees a vision of the man as St. Martin the Porus who's often mistaken in this video for Black Jesus, but no, it's not. Yeah. It's meant to be St. Martin, who apparently is the patron saint of mixed-race people, barbers, innkeepers, public public health workers, and all those seeking racial harmony. So, mm, that's so cool. Can I interject and yes. and discuss the, the actor that plays um, yeah. St. Martin? Uh, his name, and I looked it up on... I looked it up on IMDb and then I looked it up on Wikipedia. IMDb just has him credited as being Leon. Okay, and then yeah. Wikipedia has his full name as Leon Robinson. Yeah. Um, yeah, he also was in Cool Runnings. Yeah, oh, I saw that. <laughs> and he was in the he was in the basketball movie with Tupac Shakur above the rim huh. as well. Um, which I would need to go back. I can't remember if that was a good movie or not. Again, that was another uh, many hire by my brother. <laughs> my brother very much enjoyed Above the Rim. He had a very eclectic taste in film. I'm going to message him and see if he gets back to me. I'm going to message him and see, like, <laughs> say, like, what, are you, what, what was your thoughts about the movie Above the Rim? Uh, also, Leon Robertson played Little Richard in a TV movie about Little Richard. Oh, cool. That's awesome. I want to see that. Yeah. Oh, man. Sorry. And I also said while we were watching the film clip, uh, there is also an underlying hint that Madonna wants to fuck the shit out of patron saint. Uh, what's his name? Martin. She definitely Before. does. Yeah. Mm. She's down yeah. on her knees. She wants to be taken there. This is true. <laughs> um, so what else happens in the video? She, Yeah, she has a vision in this church, uh, possibly a hallucination of her singing with a gospel choir, Um, and then in the end, she's inspired to go to the police station and, um, correct the injustice that has been made. He's released and then breaking the fourth wall, the church and the police station are both the same set and the whole cast like bows and has a curtain call, which I think is really cool. I think it's supposed to be hinted that maybe it's set in the South as well, because yeah. Is it or is it not when she's dancing in front of burning crosses? Yeah. Is that supposed to be Ku Klux Klan imagery? Not think, saying that she, not saying that she's endorsing it, but like sort of I challenge. Think, not literally, but I think she's re- trying to reclaim that imagery. Yeah, which is yeah. not something that one does casually, but in a way, she had like at least the the star power and like the kind of pull to execute yeah. it. I want to say. 
Like, I don't know if anyone, if like a white person doing that now, what how people would feel, but yeah. No. No, no. <laughs> Absolutely. Just don't. But quite a moment in the video. The the statue of him is freaky as shit as well. When yeah. it starts to cry. Um It gives me real like House of Wax vibes. Yeah. <laughs> How good was that movie? That movie rules. Yeah. It's a good Apparently movie. um they made a statue of the actor and then in the end it didn't look anything like him, so they had to get him to like stand there in makeup. Oh no! <laughs> I want to know how much that cost, like just in like wasted money by being like that doesn't even look like you, man. <laughs> oh, man, my brother responded, "Is that the one with Tupac?" And I've gone, "Yep, <laughs> yep." Um, um, I'll mention just super quick, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a famous incident where, um. So basically before the song and the video premiered, Pepsi paid Madonna how how much? I wanna say uh apparently Pepsi paid Madonna five million dollars to endorse them and also make an ad that featured um the song, like before the before anything had come out. Right. Yeah. And um so I'm pretty sure that that ad was huge and it's this really cool ad actually where um uh an actor playing a very young Madonna like watches the the then current age Madonna and like they connect and have like this really tender moment. Um, Does young Madonna hand current Madonna a can of Pepsi? I don't. Maybe. I don't remember. Just by handing her a Pepsi. <laughs> I don't remember. It's like a, it's like a good ad and not as dumb as the Kendall Jenner Pepsi. Ad. <laughs> but, I, I have an, up, I have an update. Yeah. My brother said, Above the Rim is a classic, and I just said, exactly. Sick. <laughs> Heard it here first, folks. Um, but yeah, that, so sorry, uh, we were saying about the iconic ad. So yeah, it's, it's infamous because, uh, like, immediately after the video aired, and, you know, with it mixing Catholic imagery and, like, commenting on races and stuff, it was considered, like, too hard to handle. So Pepsi pulled the ad after, like, two airings and just let Madonna keep the five million. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the Vatican condemned the video as well. Yeah. Like, like surprising no one, but I always find it so interesting when like the Vatican and other like church groups will come out against like a piece of pop culture. It's like, why the fuck do you care? Hey, why do you like, care? Stay in your lane. <laughs> Can I just say how scary that would have been? Like the idea of trying to get that $5 million back from Madonna as well. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine they were just like, well, I don't want to go. I don't want to go get that back. No, I don't want to go go get it back from her either. It's like the checks. The check had already cleared, and they're like, oh shit, we're fucked. (laughs) We're not going to get that. I don't want to get that back from her. I just like the idea of trying to broach a subject. Like, so uh, we're going to need that, and just like, no. (laughs) So uh, you haven't bought any like big houses or expensive cars. (laughs) I'll have to look up that. Is the ad like available on YouTube still? Yeah, there's there's a couple of rips, but they're you know all like from the same source, pretty much. Yeah, as you can imagine, um, it's like the Star Wars holiday special almost, but the reverse amount of good and bad. Star Wars holiday special. Have you seen it, by the way? I have. It's fucking horrific. I, I, I actually no, I don't really have things that I wish that I could unsee, but it's like, yeah, man, what were they thinking? My soul left oh. my body while I was watching that. It's just a void. <laughs> was was George Lucas involved in that at all? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. 
So it sort of already shows that he was, I mean, Star Wars was already at that point, like, you know, making toys for kids and that sort of thing. But it was like, totally. oh yeah, he really has a mind for just marketing this to children because toys and video games sell. Mm. Okay. Yeah. What do we think about the song? It's so, so good. How good is it? Mm. Like, it just... It's even better now that I know that that, that weird guitar bit at the start is Prince. <laughs> Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's insanely good. Like, it just, every time I hear it, I'm just like, yes. I've gone um, back to writing notes in the notepad because I'm sick of just sounding like an idiot going, oh, it's a, like, <laughs> I don't, because I can't think off the cuff. Um, I My first note is, hits all the 80s notes I like. Electric drums, Madonna yeah. with an American accent, synth. Beautiful. <laughs> I had to rem- I had to go through YouTube because I wasn't sure if Madonna had actually at one point put on a fake British accent. Absolutely, definitely did. And it was, <laughs> it was I mean, it was when she was married to Guy Ritchie. So, who? Oh no! Wait, no, I was going to say I was shocked that they he never put her in one of his films, but he did. He did, so, yeah. And yeah, uh, and an ad for a car company. I don't know which one. Oh actually. no. I would, I would very strongly argue he has not been, he has not been as good as what he was in the nineties. Like he's not been able to get as good since then. But I actually, um, no, I actually think um the man from Uncle is awesome. Like, have you seen it? No, I saw that film and I was like, Guy Ritchie, you must have gone to therapy or something because this is like a really smart and like empathetic commentary about masculinity. So okay, gone on him. Then he made Aladdin, which I didn't see and. People thought it was okay, but yeah. Did he do Aladdin? The remake, yeah. Oh, oh. see, I thoroughly enjoyed that. There no, you go. Yeah. Maybe I'm... No, I, I don't feel like I'm wrong. I still feel like his, <laughs> his best stuff was in the 90s. <laughs> his most iconic stuff, for sure. I think you would so like I, um, though. It's very enjoyable. Yeah, I... It's like he, uh, Henry Cavill and Army Hammer uh, both being very handsome, but kind of trying to downplay it comedically. Yeah, I have that problem all the time. <laughs> you do. Wow, we have really digressed you, from this. You are. Yeah. I know. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, the song. It's it's terrific. Like I, I, I get what I can see what you mean though when you say like maybe like with the one take, how it's maybe a little bit I don't know, underproduced in the vocals. Yeah. Um, but there's so many different elements to this. There's so much that anything could have gone wrong with this and it would have been a terrible song, but it all totally. comes together and it's, it's quite, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. Like it's a, it's a phenomenal song. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You go. Oh, so I was just going to, yeah, just the way it's constructed so many different elements. Um, but also there's, um, a famous remix that that's the one that appears on the Immaculate Collection, like her um, first greatest hits. That's uh, it's more of a house thing and more electronic, and that works almost as well too. Okay. And she she has played it in a few different ways over the years. Like there's one from 2008, the Sticky and Sweet tour, which is like a full on rave thing with like a bit huge synth in the middle, which also okay. works. So, but I think yeah. it's one that she's never stopped performing because you know everyone wants to hear it. Yeah, definitely. I can't decide if it, and as I said, like it's a, it's a, it's a terrific song, but I can't 
help but feel if it needs like a bigger moment but then at the same time like i'm torn like mm. at the same time though i feel like it is it is it is almost like with her with her vocal stylings in this it's a bit it is kind of a bit reserved but it's like the sort of subject matter is a bit private as well and then yeah sort of that's how it feels to me is it is it is kind of like a private moment for her yeah um, totally yeah also just you can tell so... i'm trying to sound smart because you're on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> we're all on the podcast Aww. um oh, i was gonna say it's just also interesting to open up the album with like a six minute single that's so big and like hard to live up to and then yet the album goes in so many different directions and kind of still maintains your attention so yeah talk about front I, I could also make the argument for it being like a closer track just because it has that real sort yeah. Of closer yeah so yeah it's a powerful move to like make this the mission statement of the entire album but man we've gone from last week the opening song being pretty boring to yeah yeah this Fine is a work. significant improvement. This is yeah. This is a, this is one of those weeks where I'm geeked out about a song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. I can't like. I'm finding it hard to describe. It's just like definitively good. Like capital G good. And I can't like. It's just like because it is. It's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it good? Have you listened to it? Exactly. It's good. It's good. Is good. Richard, uh, do you have any other thoughts? I will mention quickly, so from 2009 to 10, I ran a Tumblr called Iconography, which was, I was like reviewing every Madonna single in video. Um, Amazing. And I I think I got to like 33 or something. And yeah. um, I want to say, also, yeah, unfortunately, like Tumblr has kind of fucked up the formatting and I'm too lazy to like actually go up, go back and redo it. But that was like one of the first things that got me like a little bit of a following on online, I want to say. Yeah. So I didn't really keep it up on Tumblr. Um, I kind of wanted to read something, but it's written a bit too like densely. And because um, like my, you know, going back to it, like my thoughts were very on point, but like I would subsequently learn more streamlined, less like academic ways to phrase them. Yeah. <laughs> But maybe I will just give you a little clip of it. Please do. Because I remember reading that Tumblr when we first met. Like when we yeah. were. Yeah. Like that was sort of my introduction to your music writing as separate to Richard performing music. Like this was your music theory side. Um, True. And yeah, it would be cool to revisit because. Well, yeah, obviously, since then you've taken off in terms of being a critic and a reviewer. Would this, would you say this is sort of like the catalyst to you doing, you know, how you, you know, reviewed every Ariana Grande or ranked every Ariana Grande song or Lana Del Rey song, Lady Gaga yeah. song? Did you do Ariana Grande? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is, so um, yeah, so I definitely came back around to that because I hadn't done a lot of like discography evaluations between them but like yeah. i remember billboard just hit me up about doing the ariana one uh in 2018 when no tears left to cry came out and so i had yeah. like like five days probably to do it at that time Oof. 
And there were like oh 84 God. songs, I think, then. And now it's like 120, probably. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those, even like those pieces are not nearly as dense as what I was trying to do back then. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, longer uh, word count. But let me give you a little bit of this. So. I, I'm going to paraphrase as well. So, the sheer density of Like a Prayer's lyrics is stunning. Madonna uses the brevity of pop lyrics to great effect by fitting many associations into each phrase. Lines like, when you call my name, it's like a little prayer, refer to the Catholic reverence of her namesake, the Virgin Mary, like literally no other artist could. But then she also says, I'm down on my knees, I want to take you there. Just both a position of prayer and a suggestion that she wants to like give and receive, you know, take you there um, to make the sacred and the profane inseparable. At the song's core is the concept of la petite mort, French for the little death, a reference to the post-orgasmic state of bliss that borders on the transcendent. One theory goes that in that state of creation, removed from the worldly and material, such pleasure is where we are closest to God, which is similar to the idea of prayer as a conference with God. So my interpretation of Like a Prayer is essentially that Madonna views love, taken to its most intimate point, as an experience so natural and overwhelming that it borders on evangelic. Nice. There you go. It's only subtly hot. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So do we have any... Is is are we overwhelmed with the uh with the song like do we have any other thoughts <laughs> on it or uh or are we uh moving on i think it's time to chat about rufio yeah. <laughs> yes god Samuel, can you please take us through a summation of Rufio? Let me... Oh, yeah. So I'll go through that and then I'll go through the song. This song. Yes. So Rufio was at a point in my life uh, my favourite pop-punk band. Oh, Um, no way. So it was like looking through my brother's CDs and again, like I, I don't know if I've described it on the podcast, but he had just a sleeve of, I think it was like 120 CDs. And you remember like the old like CD it's, cases? Like it makes sense within the context of like why we used to have them. 
But I can't think of anything more infuriating now than like separating the CD from its case and putting it in a different case. Because then where do you put the case? Do you chuck it out? Chuck it out. I fuck it like, no. I mean, I've got all my CDs in in that, so I don't have any CD cases. I hate that Mm. though, because like the whole point is that you get the liner notes with it. Yeah, I know. I I get it. But at the same time, it also saves space and you can also take them, take like a lot of CDs in the car with you or something. Bless the CD wallet. And And so like he had just, heaps of you know burnt cds of you know punk bands pop punk bands emo bands and that's how i discovered so much of the music that i listened to Mm. and so like i would just look through his folder and and yeah there was this cd rufio and it was their ep and Ah. and the opening track which then became the opening track to uh their their full-length album debut album perhaps i suppose uh, above me that's still like probably my favorite pop punk band like ever like the it just they seamlessly blended pop punk hardcore and even metal together yeah i can Um, hear that yeah like the the opening the guitar riff to above me is metal as shit And it just kind of, it's one of those like chills moments, like just gave me chills. And it was like, I, I definitely liked the fact that like when I was going through this sort of phase with other people in school and it would be like, they'd be like, oh yeah, what's your favorite band? Newfound Glory, Blink-182. Mm. They would say like the popular bands and I'd be like, <laughs> Rufio. And they'd be like, who's Rufio? And so, of course, it became that thing. And then <laughs> I went later on in life to be, you know, it's kind of annoying when you have to explain, you know, that your favourite band is a band who's named themselves after, you know, one of the most famous murders in history. Yes. Um, but it was like one of those, one of those like moments that gave me sort of chills when I first heard it. And I even appreciate the fact that, they talk about, and it's it's cheesy, it is. It's saccharine at times, but it's also like, they talk about love with no sense of irony. Like, yeah. they, they have breakups, sure, but it's not all just like, fuck you, you bitch, how could you break up with me? Like, sometimes it is like, but yeah, I love this person. Yeah. With, like, killer guitar riffs and blast beats and, like, everything in this band, every element was necessary like there was nothing that felt less important like the even the bass which always sort of took a back seat in this style of music Mm. is right there at the front like it's it's just kicks ass yeah just a quick like does anyone else have any memories of like moments where you've listened to a song and it's just sort of giving you that kind of chill moment like ooh, like Mm. chills i specifically wrote a uni assignment about oh shit what's it called it's a fallout boy song uh oh no richard do you have something while i furiously look up the song sure yeah i remember i don't i actually don't think i've talked about this on the podcast but yeah like i came up playing classical piano and then 
you know, pop music was always around, but one of the first, uh, one of the first acts that I was actively into and bought the CD for was Daft Punk. So like I bought Daft Punk's Discovery in 2000, I think that was sick. No, 2001. Um, then got into like Nickelback and Linkin Park because they were around. Um, love me some post crunch and new metal, but yeah, I actually got into like internet forums and stuff in 03 and 04. So that's when the first time I really got exposed to anything that I had like no context for. So the actual song that blew my mind was Ghost Love Score by Nightwish, who uh, Finnish uh, symphonic metal band. Yep. Um, that was their first album with a full orchestra. It's like famously the most expensive album in Finland history, or was at the time. Wow. And they were pop stars there. But it's this 10 minute song that kind of is choral and epic, but halfway through just goes fully orchestral and like the band drops out. Um, wow. So yeah, that really blew my mind. That's so cool. Still a great song. For me, it's, it's super obvious. It's um, the Black Dahlia Murders in Hell Where She Waits For Me, which is the opening track to their album Ever Black. Dude. It's their only song that they've they've written about the actual Black Dahlia murder. Oh, okay. And it, it sort of starts off with a pretty standard, you know, death metal riff. And like, even though I'd heard it thousands of times at that point, it's Trevor's opening scream that made me just sort of stop what I was doing and go, okay, no, I'm going to stop and just listen to this whole album without, you know, it being in the background. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I also get... I, I also get that when I see a band, like when the lights drop yeah, and you sort of see them in the, you see their silhouette and, yeah. you know, when things come back on, it's like, oh, wow, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I realize I talked a lot, so. No, well, that's why we do a podcast. <laughs> that's <isn't> true. <laughs> but yeah, I specifically wrote a uni assignment about the song, the sh- um, Coffees for Closers by Sick. Fallout Boy. Because yeah, again, like, it brings in strings and like an orchestral setup and specifically like the last chorus, like it all just sort of peaks. And like, yeah. I still get that very classic, like goosebumps, like hair standing on the back of my neck mm. kind of feeling even now listening to it. Cause it's just yeah. such a beautiful, like crescendo. And yeah, like I know it's fallout boy. So it's very easy to be like, but, but like, that is what it is. Yeah, it's so good. And so it's a very embarrassing paper, but I'm pretty sure I got like an 80 or something on it. So, hey, that's um, a that's a distinction. Exactly. So, yeah. I love that we all have different, like very different versions of that as well for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, man, I cannot wait until shows are back on the table. So let me, uh, I'll bring up the uh, facts about Rufio. So they formed in 2000 from Rancho Cucamonga, California. I've written, Richard, that that's also the hometown of the Young Bucks. Woo! What's the Young Bucks? The uh, tag team from AEW. I have, okay, one, I have one of their shirts. Ah, okay. Uh, so they got their name from the 1991 film Hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the demo, the demo um, track of Above Me actually has the... A clip from the film Hook as well. Oh, cute! Um, where they're just saying Rufio over and over again. Uh, so yeah, Rufio was the leader of the Lost Boys Club uh, during Peter Pan's absence. It's been so long since I've seen Hook; I can't really remember too much about it. I don't know. It's basically Robin Williams plays Peter Pan, but Peter Pan goes to Earth. Or 
whatever. Neverland? Well, no, because he basically he left Neverland so that he could have a relationship with Wendy. He right. grew he grew up yeah. to be Robin Williams, an older man. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, like he grew up to be a man. Cause... Sorry, I just love the way you're talking about it, as if like in the canon story of Peter Pan. Peter Pan became Robert Williams. <laughs> and he started just doing genie impressions. Oh, and... <laughs> that's, that's, career took off. that's definitely one of Spielberg's less beloved films, right? Yeah. I kind of can't imagine. I mean, I remember enjoying it when I was a kid because it was, I guess it was, there was a lot of like imagery and like cool stuff happening. It was a huge deal but, at the time, for sure. Yeah, like Peter Pan, like live action Peter Pan. Mm. But it wasn't. I don't, I don't know. I'd need to see it again before yeah. I sort of make. It, but I, I, I have fond memories of that film. Yeah. Um, Just jumping in real quick, like I love that Peter Pan has been co-opted quite a lot by like emo sort of pop punky kind of circles. Like mm. is that like the Lost Boys, like never wanting to grow up, just that constant state of like childhood slash adolescence. Like, mm. I mean the. Is there a band called the Lost Boys or No, but like for instance Pete Wentz. Maybe. Like draws on Peter Pan a lot. Like he always sort of Yeah, like he used to keep vlogs and stuff which are now disappeared or like people apparently have links to them but won't give them up and but um yeah, like just that like sort of similar to like Holden Caulfield, like how they I literally was gonna say that, yeah. Yeah, like just yeah. sort of that idolizing, like, no, I'm never going to grow up. I'm going to be young forever, and like, I'm going to. And there's there's the film The Lost Boys, where it's kind of fucked up that they're they're teenage vampires essentially. Yeah. So it's like they are stuck in you know, Petrol. they're yeah. forever going to yeah. be young. But it's like they're also monsters at the same time. Yeah, good film. Mm-hmm. Good film. I can't remember which Fallout Boy film clip it was that kind of apes Lost Boys. Oh, but, that would a be little less sixteen candles. Where, yes. where Pete actually gets to live his dream of being a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, so mm-hmm. I um so yes, they were once signed to Nitro Records. Uh this was where I found out that uh realized that the offspring was nearly forty years old and nearly had a meltdown. <laughs> that was a great moment in the last episode. Because, because Nitro is was created by Dexter Holland and Greg Kay of the Offspring. That was such a frustrating moment. <laughs> jump in and be like, "I know, right?" And just like, "I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it." To the it. point that I cannot let you talk right now. No. So I, I haven't written some some other Nitro alumni included AFI, Body Jar, and a band Body called Jar. Man, yeah, yeah. remember that was Body a band. Jar? Yeah, they were sick for the time. They're Australian. Yes. Yeah, Body Jar's Australian. Are they or Queensland? Okay. So, yes, I've written here, their debut album, Perhaps I Suppose, released by Militia Records, moved 100,000 copies with no radio play. Wow. Impressive. Maple Skateboards used their song Above Me, which I mentioned before, mm-hmm. to score one of their skate videos, giving it more attention. Uh, that skate video is still up on YouTube as well. Cute. has a really uh, cheesy uh, CGI clip of the planets and Earth. Oh, no. And then it like zooms in and there's people skateboarding. Cool. Uh, so they would officially break up in 2012. Yeah. Um, I did put up a video of them playing above me at the 2003 Vans Warp Tour as like a nice little time capsule Aww. on the Google Doc. That it's, was really um, cool. The um, because yeah, the song mm. surprised me. I was expecting it to be more straight pop punk, but no, it, it's almost like a melodic 
Dillinger Escape Plan or something. Yeah. With that post-hardcore feel? It has so much more, like, it has more layers to it than just, you know, a regular pop-punk band. Like, that's one of the things that I adored about them. It was one of the things that made me, like, want to learn more technical guitar was was Rufio and Above Me. Like, that was kind of my white whale was that opening riff. I could never get it that fast. Because you listen to that and you know it, they were listening to, like, at the drive-in and refused and fugazi and stuff like did you ever get into yeah. those bands refused definitely yeah uh not yeah. so much at the drive-in mm. or not not because i didn't like them it's just i i'd never there's too much music in the world and yeah totally. so, definitely a bit more into the mars volta which had yeah. a couple of members of sure. at the drive yeah um but even them i haven't really listened to too much Sorry, you were going to say something and I cut you off. Oh, I was just going to say that, could, yeah, Refused. I remember that was one of the ones that we bonded over yeah. when we first mm. started. Absolutely. And, and, and we've seen them twice and they were killer live twice. So good. Um, I want to also tell another story. Um, we were we were at Bali. It was our first trip to Bali, uh, my family and I. And we were. it was our last night there. Our flight was leaving at like 11, 30, 12, so super late. So we had nowhere really to stay because we had to get out of the hotel room. And they asked us at the, at the lobby, like, oh, so what time is your, your flight? Oh, okay, yeah, it's, that's pretty late. We have a room that's available that you can just you know hang out in. Oh, yeah. Um, so we were watching baseball, super bored, because everything was packed. We couldn't really do anything. All I had was my iPod. <laughs> and I hear this song. And this was, this was my intro to Punk Goes Pop. I almost, I was almost going to say Punk Goes Pop. This was my. I mean, technically it was in your intro to Punk Goes Pop as well. But when you said, when you, when you said to me last year on Valentine's Day, we should do a podcast about the Punk Go series. And I immediately, in my mind was like, oh, fuck, we're going to talk about Like a Prayer. That's sick. (laughs) This is, this song that I like, I just immediately was like, what the fuck is this? Because. I had on my iPod just so many songs that I downloaded randomly or had been given to me on compilation CDs yeah. that I had not listened to at that point. And so, like, Shuffle on the iPod showed me so much music that I had on my iPod that I would not listened to yet, and it just came up on Shuffle. Yeah. And it was like, oh, wow, I, uh, I have strong feelings about this. I miss that feeling of just mm. having the media player that's closed off and, like, everything is yours, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It used to, like, it happened a few times. My brother would borrow my iPod, like, to go drive with his girlfriend or something. <laughs> and, I would, and I'd be like, just charge it when you get home. Yeah, yeah. And he'd never remember to charge it. <laughs> never, I would go to walk to the bus and it's flat. He and definitely didn't just... rewind the VHS tapes either then. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Every time he borrowed kids, it was just left. Oh. <laughs> Imagine putting in kids, not knowing what you're in for, and then like seeing the end of it. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Oof, yeah. Um, one of the other ones that he enjoyed was the Varsity Blues, and we were supposed to return it to the video store. And so I went to they had a they had a slot out yeah. the front, and they were closed, and the slot was super rusty. Oh no! And so I put it in, and it didn't close all the way. Yeah. So then someone walking past. Nicked it. Just stole it. And they were <laughs> like they were like, Well, we don't have our video. You've uh... obviously you've obviously kept it. We're like, we don't want to keep varsity blues. 
and they're like, well, what do you want to do? It's going to be a hundred dollar reimbursement, or we ban you. That's bullshit. And we were like, we were like, uh, Varsity Blues isn't worth it. We'll go to the better video store anyway. We'll go to <laughs> we'll go to Video Easy. Palm Video is not going to. Uh, Palm video. It was called Palm Video. It was just the locally owned video store. It was like, yeah, Video Easy's got a better stock anyway. We only That's... came here because Varsity Blues was all rented out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Like beachside town, of course, it was called Palm Video. That makes me very happy. It was just, it's, it's just a story that we sometimes laugh about. Like, <laughs> remember that time we got banned from Palm Video because they thought we stole fucking Varsity Blues with James Vanderbeek? Wow. And I think Paul Walker, is Paul Walker in that? Oh, I can't remember. I don't know. It's not that important. So I've geeked out enough. I will come back around, but um, I'm losing my voice. So what do you guys think about this song? Also Paul Walker is in it. it. Oh, Paul Walker is in it. Yeah, he's the one who gets injured. Um, what do you guys think about Varsity Blues? What? <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> Nor have I. What, what do you guys think about this cover? And also remember I'm scrutinizing every word you say right now. Sure. So it's funny, like, Today, as I sunned myself on the balcony, um, Sam, you said, are oh, you, I'm picking your listening to perhaps, I suppose, are you, which I was not. But then I felt guilted into listening to it. And so I got through half of it. I can definitely see, like, your fingerprints on it, if that makes mm. sense. Like, you were saying to me, if we had met in high school and I was making you a mixtape, like, I would have put some of these songs on there to show you who I was kind of thing which and it makes perfect sense because like I totally there's that crossover with us like where Newfound Glory and like Blink and those kinds of bands it makes sense like that straight pop punk kind of thing I get it but then yeah that more melodic aspect to it Mm. and the fact that it does borrow from more like sort of metal hardcore kind of stuff it really comes through like I don't know if I necessarily would have fucked with Rufio in high school, but that's because, like, that's where we dovetail. Like, I sort of went just down the straight pop-punk sort of line and then more emo kind of stuff, whereas you took the metal train, I suppose. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, it's good. Like, it's just that, again, like, that quintessential, like, 2000s punk. Yeah. And, yeah, I love it. So... As for the cover, like, it doesn't compare to the original because I don't think anything ever really will. It's it's, it's, it's a big ask. It's a tall order. And that's exactly it. But for the purpose of Punk Goes, for the purpose of Rufio, like, they nailed it. And I don't think it needs to... I don't think it needs to be better than the original, but I think it can stand sort of... Like, as a punk contemporary, it can stand very tall with with the original. I wonder if... I doubt Madonna's listened to it, but, you know... But, like, I love that this was your entry point to Punk Goes because, to me, this is Punk Goes at its best. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. And then the next one that, that was, like, my second one was, I can't remember who does it, the Bye 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 cover. Ah, uh, yeah. As well. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we've been talking a lot and we've not let you breathe. Really. <laughs> I I have talked a lot. Um. Yeah, I really like it too. I like that they very much commit to the song. Like it's a little it feels a little bit scrappy, but they um but you can tell that they really believe in it. Um I I have that written here. I said um 
I think if another band had have done this cover, it would have made it feel snarky and maybe disingenuous. Yeah, yeah you really don't feel, want that with this. No, this feels hundred percent genuine. Whereas I think if if Newfound Glory had have done it, it would have been like a case of like, well, let's fucking protest the fact that we're singing Madonna or like, yeah. you know, let's let's you know just. They would have like hammed it up in a way that was yeah, yeah like you said, disingenuous. Yeah, whereas this just feels a hundred percent genuine. Well, it's earnest. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, the song needs a bit of tension to it as well, just because there are so many covers that play it completely straight or turn it into a ballad or something, which doesn't really it doesn't bring out any like hidden qualities or whatever. It's just yeah. like it feels like a lesser version, but. With this, like, they go through so many different feels as well. Like, there's a double time, there's a half time, there's mm-hmm. the, a variation on that that's really cool. There's a breakdown. Yeah. Um, I think my main observation is that if that if this exact cover was recorded today, like, it'd sound a lot tighter, but, like, no doubt super overproduced, just because the yeah. drums sound so live and so human and have that kind of swing to it. But in current day like pop punk and scene and metal that that's almost like anathema you know if the drums aren't considered to be like perfectly compressed and you know enhanced with eq in every possible way like people think it's wrong but yeah this to me is like more expressive or it just feels like they were there in the studio all together exactly playing it playing it live essentially is what it feels like to me um I've I did say like one thing that would have like I think this is I love I I adored this cover yeah I think one thing that would have been really sick and it just came to me in the shower today (laughs) when your best work so like in the original when she says let the let the choir sing let the choir sing yeah yeah let the choir and then it's then it's you know this gospel. Imagine if he, when he said "Let the choir sing" and it's a fucking gang vocal. I know. Yeah. Imagine that. That would have been a chills moment for me if it was like "Let the choir sing" and it's a fucking gang vocal. Would have been tremendous for me. Wow. But yeah, I still can't. I, I don't fault it because it doesn't have a gang vocal. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that. I do feel like they missed an opportunity with like the outro of the original, like the "Just like a prayer, I'll take you there." Like, yeah. it would have been really nice to have that incorporated in this one because after a while it does feel a tad repetitive. And it just kind of ends yeah. as well. I Quite do sure. get that. Yeah. 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 But then in saying that, like, it's fit for purpose. Like, it makes sense that they treated it the way they did. But it was kind of like, because this isn't by no means a fast song, but listening to this, because I've, I've listened to this even, like, many times leading up to doing this episode... Um, and I haven't listened to Madonna's version for years. And so, like, listening to Madonna's version after listening to Rufio's so many times is like, this feels really slow. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. This feels almost sludgy compared to, to Rufio. <laughs> but yeah. I always get that with... I always get that with Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson. It always feels... Uh, when you actually listen to it, it always feels like 10 to 15 BPM slower than it is in your mind yes i had that yesterday with um take me out by franz ferdinand true like i honestly god felt like i was losing my mind because it was almost like my brain was trying to like fit the bpm that i've got for it in my head so it would sort of match for a bit and then it would fall out of sync a bit like i don't know mm. like indicators for windscreen wipers like how you'll sort of have a few beats where it's all in sync and then yeah and then it falls out and i was just like 
yeah, I was having a bit of a crisis because I was just like, hang on a minute, like, <laughs> what's going on? And it's just such a strange feeling, like, mm. when you somehow manage to co-opt something as tangible as a song in your head and kind of get it slightly wrong. It's weird. Brains are weird. Is what I'm are weird. Say. Yeah. My God. Um, yeah. Like, do we really have much else to say? I, I, I had, this has been an episode I feel for me a hundred percent. I've geeked out so much over <laughs> everything in this episode. I've had a blast recording it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, my throat is sore and my face is sore because I've smiled a lot. So <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I'm, I don't really have much else to say. I've burnt myself out. Yeah. Any final thoughts from you, Richard? Um, it, I feel like it's a top 10 song so far for me. For the series. Top yeah. 10 yeah. cover, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah. What do we think? Hell yeah or yeah, nah? I'm going to go with a hell yeah. For both. Yes. yes. Got to be a hell yeah. Yeah, same for me. Absolutely. I mean, we probably knew that already. But... No. <laughs> That'd be great if you just turned around and you're like, this is fun. And joke's on you all, I fucking hated it. Ha <laughs> ha, prank. Hell nah. <laughs> hell, yeah, get to hell. Get to our first ever hell nah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder what will get your first ever hell nah. Well, I kind of feel like we need to go back and and revisit everything <laughs> to see what will get a hell nah. No, I don't. That's a lot of work. Yeah, bl- yeah. blame it, Wood. I think so. That was very bad. Yeah, that was no good. And also that crap movie, The Perfection. The the, the Taylor Swift cover, the first one we did. Um, yeah. Oh, you belong with. Uh, was no good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So next week we will be. Jumping ahead to Punko's Pop 5 for Billie Jean by Michael Jackson as covered by uh, previous band, Breathe Carolina. Have we done them already? Yeah, they did. Um, oh, they did the, the J. Oh, they song. did too. Yeah. Yes. Down. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Richard, any final words or things you want to plug? Or Yeah, please. This what is can your I time. Plug. Wow. Um, Where are we? Are? Yeah. All right. Let, let's do a few plugs. So, firstly, I um my interview with Troy Savan is up on Enemies YouTube. Yes, so it's that was so a fun good. one. Uh there's that. There's. I'm hoping to launch my podcast this week. There are a few question marks, but I'm pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure I know. Like, uh, I I know everything I want to do. I just have to do it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Maybe it'll be out by the time this episode is out because I'm not going to be releasing on a Friday. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's <laughs> our time slot. Like, we don't want a Friday Friday morning wars. That would be great. Like in a few weeks' time, like our relationship is just fresh. <laughs> I feel like Enemy we're of the pod, Richard S. He. I feel like we have separate enough uh, topics that. <laughs> that we can both coexist. <laughs> totally. And we would like overlap and I'll get you one as well. Perhaps Yay! together and separately. Ooh. Oh. We just passed one hour, twenty three minutes and forty five seconds. That that's uh, exciting. That's cool. nice. Um <laughs> that always uh, so satisfying. When it's twelve thirty four, either in the day or in the night. That always just makes me go, hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, the other that, thing I'll plug. Oh sorry, no sorry. Go on. 
I was just gonna say it's that meme of the the guy who kind of looks like Zach Galifianakis, and he's just standing there for a while, and he's like, "Yeah, it's, yeah. that's that's what it's like for me." He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll plug one more thing quickly. Please. Um, it is a 1996 FMV adventure game for the personal computer <laughs> called Trev to the Rescue. <laughs> We lost an evening last night. <laughs> I don't know. It was very valuable. I enjoyed every minute of it. I had a blast watching Trev to the rescue. We just watched a near two hour playthrough of this FMV game. And it's just quintessential, like, 90s Australiana. Like, suburban Australiana. Yeah. It's the most mundane video. One of the most mundane video games ever made. But, like, adorable for how sincere it is. Yes. So, so good. With such a sinister plot, your brother's been poisoned by berries. You have to cure him. It's just, yeah. If you're looking for a way to while away an evening, looking up that playthrough is a real treat. My goodness. (laughs) But as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Look forward to seeing what your podcast brings to the world. Um, Indeed. Yeah, until next week, everyone stay safe, wash your hands, don't be a dick. Be good to one another. Yeah. Listen to some Rufio and some Madonna back to back. Yeah, mm. good idea. Or at the same time, who knows? Yeah. One in each ear. Just go nuts. Yeah. <laughs>